0: Hello and welcome to Dear John and Sarah.
1: Or as I like to call it, Dear Sarah and John. You know what I loved
0: about that, Sarah? (laughs) With the passion you brought to it. (laughs) Holy crap, I almost fell off my chair.
1: Well, I can't pretend as if I haven't said that before.
0: You're, I'm bringing. You're bringing a lot. One hundred six point seven. Orlando FM Radio <laughs> DJ energy.
1: And I think it's it's overwhelming me. so I'm I like turned it down to balance you out. What was like that? couples do? you what, know What was that NPR cooking show? Delicious dish.
0: <laughs> Sarah's bringing delicious dish.
1: Yes. this is dear Sarah and John after dark after dinner.
0: That's right. We just had dinner. Now we're having a glass of wine. It's an advice podcast where we offer you dubious advice and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Although, in this case,
1: I can promise you neither dubious advice nor news from Mars. (laughs) I offer only sincere advice. Yeah. And no news
0: from Mars. Okay, great. So far, we're off to a roaring start. Hank is, it's actually not clear to me what Hank's doing this week. I'm the one with the busy week, but for (laughs) some reason he can't make the podcast. So we're here. It's Sunday night. It's a lovely evening in Indianapolis. There's still a bit of snow on the ground. Sarah. Yes. Before we get started. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't usually do, we don't, we don't usually have special guests on when they have promo to promo, but you actually do have some promo to promo. I do. Which is that you have a new course about art appreciation from Bright Trip. That's true. And it's great.
1: I don't know if you guys know about Bright Trip, but it's an amazing organization that offers courses on a variety of subject matter, including like... Um, travel, photography, how to uh, visit Japan and not feel like an idiot. And I have made um, a course with them about how to appreciate art. And we filmed it earlier this year in Washington, D.C., and um, I've been working on it. And I think um, I think it's really cool and I'm going to be excited to share it.
0: Yeah. So check out Bright Trip, the art appreciation course from Sarah Urist Green. All right. I think that's the all the promo. Usually when Hank is here, I have to do so much promo because he's like, what about the socks? What about the coffee? Oh, we do have
1: socks a, and coffee.
0: We do have a light roast coffee now, by the way. Awesomecoffeeclub.com. We got a sweet light roast if you're interested. All the profits go to charity. All right. Let's get on to the podcast portion of the podcast. Let's do it. Let's start with this question from Coco, which is the name of one of our closest friends, kids. Yes. So I don't know if this question is from Coco, but it seems like it could be our Coco. Let's hear it. The question is, dear John and Sarah, a friend of mine pronounces his name one way while his mother pronounces it differently. Who is right? (laughs) My name is not cow cow Coco. (laughs) Now that makes me think it is our Coco. Uh,
1: I, I, how else? Okay. All right. Um, I I think the answer to this is both are right.
0: Oh, I think the answer is that the, the friend mother, is right.
1: The mother, but
0: No, the friend. Why? Well, okay, let me offer you a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Let's say Henry walks upstairs right now. He's yes. twelve years old. Yes. Walks in the this room and says, Mom, dad, moving forward, my name is pronounced Henri.
1: Oui. <laughs> Why
0: <laughs> would you? What would you say? Like, I feel like we would have uh, to listen to him. It's his life. It's his name.
1: Yes. Okay. Okay. So you're 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 concluding that the friend uh, knows the the individual's desire.
0: I'm saying if the individual pronounces his own name one way, that is definitionally that is the, the friend's correct choice. pronunciation.
1: Okay. And yeah. The I can, I that can the buy that the
0: mom wanted a different pronunciation, like. I'm sorry you imagined a different infant.
1: Well, let's look at it more generously, John. Okay. What if it's a name that's specific or more specific to a region or a culture and there's maybe, say, an Americanized version of it? Oh. Do you see what I mean? Then they're
0: both correct.
1: Then they're both correct.
0: You're right. I was trying to get to a firm answer and life is always a little more complicated than I give it credit for. I love I,
1: the gray. I do.
0: I do, I know you do. Yeah. Sarah I just want to stay
1: in the gray. You want to stay in the gray. Just,
0: Not just in terms of the way you look at the world as every dichotomy is in fact a spectrum that we haven't yet given credit <laughs> for, but also literally you wear gray every day. <laughs>
1: I think that might be an exaggeration. I do happen to be wearing gray right now, but so do you. I, I am. You're I am. wearing two shades of gray.
0: Listen, we've been together for 20 years, okay? Yeah. So, and also, you bought these pants. <laughs> That's true. You, you are with good And both. your
1: and Actually, jacket. Actually, that
0: you bought both of the gray <laughs> things that I'm wearing, so hush it up.
1: Okay. I like gray. I know. Literally and metaphorically.
0: I So you know what, Coco? We're going to live in the gray and say everyone is potentially right. It's a case-by-case basis. I'm just saying if Henry comes up here and says his name is now Henri, I'm going to be excited.
1: I I think you've got to ask the friend what they prefer and go with that. Well, but the friend pronounces the name one way. Right. Okay. You go with the friend. You stick with your friend.
0: You stick with your friend while maybe also acknowledging that, that the mother has a perspective that's worth listening to.
1: There we go. Sincerity.
0: Okay, it's, this is going to be a super sincere. This next question. Uh, do
1: you want me to work on being less? No, less I like sincere. I, no, I like. Okay. I,
0: I like your earnestness. I think it's good. <laughs> it has reflected well on. It is. It is something about you that I have internalized a little bit on my journey toward becoming more earnest. Okay. And I think that's been great for me. <laughs> okay. I used to be a snarky little snooker.
1: <laughs> a snarky snooker. What were those
0: um, cartoon animals called who lived under the sea in the 1980s? They weren't well, the- Because uh, I was thinking
1: of the octonauts. They weren't the, the more shirt recent tails. Ones.
0: No, in the old days, they had the snorkel.
1: Oh, I did not watch the
0: snoods. That.
1: The snoods.
0: I was a snarky little snood. Okay, <laughs> okay. but I was a snarky little octonaut, but I've gotten over it.
1: Okay, let's let's move on. <laughs>
0: the next question comes from Joelle, who writes: You might have seen on TikTok that guy who built a sarcophagus for a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, with the ingredients of flaming hot Cheetos inscribed on the sarcophagus. The intent is for them to be discovered in one hundred thousand years. It's the latest thing I saw that again confirms that humanity is pretty incredible. If you could, what would you put in a sarcophagus for posterity and why? Memento Mm. Mori, Joel.
1: If you haven't seen this TikTok...
0: Oh, it's so good.
1: You have to find it um, and watch it. You can just Google it if you're not on TikTok.
0: What makes it extraordinary, which is the case... I've I've started to realize this is how I feel about all art. Mm -hmm.
1: What
0: makes... Aren't really good for me is the quality of bit commitment yes it's the little details it's how hard you worked on the ridiculously kind of unimportant parts that often shines through
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and this sarcophagus was made with tremendous competence and love and commitment and, care. and yeah care. they went all the way they went all the way Making a coffin mm-hmm. that contains within it a <laughs> uh, how
1: is it? It's, it's cast in resin, a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. Cast, that's in, cast resin. in resin, yeah. and then suspended within this cement sarcophagus that has been um, he's attempted to rid it of all bacteria.
0: Right, right. So that it doesn't get ruined, and he also has he suspended, suspended it, it in so that it can that
1: survive an earthquake,
0: even if there's like a magnitude 12 mm-hmm. earthquake, this sarcophagus will survive. It it raises the lovely possibility that in the distant future, mm-hmm. whatever comes after us will only find one certain relic of us. Right. And that this bag of flaming hot. So here's my here's my beautiful idea. Okay. Imagine a distant future. Okay. We uncover this sarcophagus of flaming hot Cheeto. Mm-hmm. Now, initially, people must will be just like, wow, well, God, I guess they're really into Flaming Hot Cheetos. Right. Did they like, worship this
1: bag of Cheetos?
0: This was their God. Yeah. But then I think eventually they would be like, no, you know, we have Flaming Hot Cheetos from other languages in other places. Okay. And my my hope, my dearest dream would be that this Flaming Hot Cheetos becomes a Rosetta Stone. <laughs> that we have, like, it's the way that people in oh, the future learn about I English. See. I see. Maybe there's only the Cyrillic alphabet in the distant future, and they use the Cyrillic ingredients of Flaming Hot Cheetos to understand what the Latin alphabet meant sound-wise.
1: So are you imagining a series of these um, sarcophagi uh, in different languages all over the world?
0: No, although I think that's a beautiful idea. Uh What I'm imagining is that the rest of Earth is fairly well preserved and North America is an absolute (laughs) wasteland.
1: Okay, but I don't think I don't think you're answering the question.
0: What would you put in a sarcophagus for posterity? The other version of this is like the, um, you know, like when Carl Sagan and a bunch of other people got together to decide mm-hmm. what was going to be. Right. And in, um, in um, on the golden disc. On the golden disc that we were going to send into space. Is that and what it was called? Maybe aliens go- would find it. Disc. That seems right. The golden record.
1: The golden record. It was something like that. But it was very cool. And they put, like, earth sounds yeah, singing, different languages. It's very beautiful.
0: Yeah. And they also put, like, images of humans. The golden and, record. Yeah. yeah, really, it,
1: it is a lovely it's thing. It's very lovely. You should listen to it if you haven't. And I think it's great in general
0: to think about this stuff because it helps us to understand what's important. It helps us to try to look at ourselves from the outside.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what I would do? Mm. just Just thinking about it now. You know, I may have a different answer if I was say, given more time. Mm. But um, I would have an artist create some sort of landscape uh, in it. And, like, that's a recreation to show what our cultures, what Mm. our, like, community look like, or even just our natural world, because who Mm. knows what it'll look Mm. like. But I definitely would want an artist involved who, like, whether it was, like, rendered in, like, delicately cut paper or you know, or maybe it includes lots of different like materials and minerals and like something that would show um that would show sort of expertise and care and mm-hmm. beauty.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. My answer is The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> it's a novel. Okay. And I'd like it to be The only novel that people in the future know about, because if it's the only novel, if they don't know about Hamlet or Macbeth or Toni Morrison or Jane Austen and it's the only novel. They'll think it's like the Bible. They're going to be like, this is incredible.
1: Wait, but if you were were going to pick any of your books, you would pick The Fault in Our Stars? Because if you if you did the Anthropocene reviewed and they were able to understand English, then they could learn so much more about our world.
0: Well, it's good to know what you think is my best book.
1: Well, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's your best. I'm saying I would choose the Anthropocene Reviewed because I feel like it contains more information about our culture.
0: Maybe, but I feel like it um, it wouldn't work as the only nonfiction book. Mm-hmm. Or does it think The Fault in Their Stars would work as, as the, the only, only bo- novel? work of fiction? Yeah. I people would be like, oh, wow, they. This guy made up the only story. Mm, mm,
1: okay. I, I
0: wouldn't actually do that, of course. <laughs> it would be terrible. <laughs> if I would put I would put Beloved in there or okay. the Great Gatsby or something.
1: I would go I would go back to Cheetos in another language.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cheetos in another language yeah. it is. Um yeah, I go for Cheetos in Danish, I guess.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. When we were in London, I don't know if you saw it, but when we were at the Science Museum, there was this exhibit that was the first ever known effort at data visualization. Okay. It was from like over 100 years ago. And it was a piece of poster board mm-hmm. that uh, basically correlated the average salary yeah. to child mortality. Oh, Interesting, I did not see this. One of the things that I would put in the sarcophagus would be a graph mm-hmm. explaining that beginning in 1990 humans worked together to reduce the risk of mortality among our most vulnerable mm. members, young mm-hmm. children. Okay. By over 50% in 30 years. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I because I, I think that's the thing I'm proudest of.
1: Are you trying to make up for saying that you wanted it to be your book?
0: Oh, no, no. Just to be clear, <laughs> this um, this graph would be inside, inside the Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> it would be right in the middle of
1: it. Okay. Yeah, All that's right.
0: that's how you keep it flat, Sarah. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe oh. we could go in together and then my book, You Are an Artist, yes. could be in there too. Yes.
0: I love love the idea of calling the Flamin' Hot Cheetos guy and saying, hey, um, we'd like to commission you... To create uh, a
1: very self-serving, unfunny, uninteresting sarcophagus, which only serves our own narrow interests. Can you do that?
0: Are you available for that kind of work or yeah. are you more looking to make uh, flaming Hot Cheetos content? Yeah. That same person, by the way, th- th- I'm interested in this person because I feel like their work is really the first place where I've seen full meme culture start to infect the art world. Mm-hmm. Like that work seemed to me like proper contemporary art mm-hmm. that is also a meme. Mm-hmm. It's also a joke. Mm-hmm. And I think that will happen more.
1: Well, there's also a a history in art of sort of um, performance or action, like incorporating the process into the art and then, You know, maybe in the gallery, you don't have the sarcophagus, but you have a record of it happening. Right. You know, right. Like you have um, some sort of visualization, uh, like the TikTok that's in the gallery that shows you what happened, like the creation of Spiral Jetty by Robert Smithson. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. But Spiral Jetty seems to me fundamentally less absurd then Yeah. So I, I, I'm interested in the sort of revival of absurdism mm-hmm. that, you know, going back to Dadaist ideas about art and how art will be elevated, that we sort of return to that and we can sort of see, I feel like through the flaming Hot Cheetos uh, sarcophagus, we can sort of see how thrilling and new and exciting yeah Duchamp must have been. To y- his time?
1: You know what I want to know? Hmm. I want to know what everyone else who's listening to this would put in their sarcophagus.
0: Well, that's going to be a lot of emails, Sarah. I'm going to need you to check the email for the next few days.
1: <laughs> uh, no promises.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another question. This one comes from Daphne, who writes, I am 15 years old, and every now and again, I feel like I'm a bad person. Mm. Sometimes the things people say get on my nerves, and I feel like I have no right to be annoyed about it. How can I tell if I'm a bad person or if I'm just a teenager who hasn't yet mellowed out? How can I ensure (laughs) that I grow up to be a kind person and a positive presence? Dubious advice appreciated. Daphne.
1: Oh, Daphne. Um, the uh, getting annoyed at other people never goes away.
0: No, you're not going to mellow out of that one.
1: (laughs) No, you, you learn to, um, hopefully you learn to let it bother you less, you know, don't let the bastards get you down. Yeah. You know, um,
0: there's definitely an element of that, but I also think that it's normal to be annoyed by people. And it's also, I I think maybe as you get older, the the thing that you hope to be able to do is to say, oh, I find that really annoying. And I'm sure there are things that other people find annoying about You mean say it
1: to yourself.
0: Say it to yourself. Totally. Yes. Yes, Sarah. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Hello, person. I, fi- I find your I find behavior you exceptionally
0: annoying <laughs> and it's not your fault. It's just like the tone of your voice is unbearable to me. When you laugh, I can't stand it. No, don't, don't say that, Daphne. No,
1: say it to yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's okay I to think, think it to yourself. Or, or maybe even think like, huh, I wonder why it is that this person saying again to yourself only, I wonder why this person is bothering me so much. Yeah, And then maybe it will say something to you like, oh, I need to... I'm I need hungry. to cultivate new friendships. Maybe that. <laughs> or, or, or I or need maybe, to, maybe I'm in a bad mood.
0: Or maybe everyone is a little bit annoying and m- many people we can love anyway. Mm-hmm. I-, I remember my religion professor, Don Rogan, who was a great mentor to me, uh, told me once, and I, I it took me years to realize that he was uh, talking about me directly. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: He told me once, you know, the things that annoy you about other people are the things that annoy other people about you.
1: <laughs> and I-, I found that very helpful. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Really? I don't. So you I think there can be more than one reason. You don't
0: find it annoying when people are um, like a little pretentious. <laughs>
1: to try not to be um, I'm, I'm trying not to be annoyed by you right now um, <laughs> now I mean I think sure I think that's one way that one can feel annoyance is recognizing something that right. bothers you about yourself but do I think that's the only um, way to be annoyed no
0: yeah no Professor Rogan was great at pithy quotes that don't always hold up to careful scrutiny. A little bit like Fitzgerald, the king of that. Right. There are no second acts in American lives. What a great line. (sighs) If only it were true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, uh, your family tends to annoy you. Right. Um, And that's that's because they know you well and often know exactly how to needle you. Um, I think that's part
0: of it. I also think it's when you're with anyone all the time. There are going to be things that annoy you. Right. The the challenge and opportunity is to love people anyway right. and to find ways through it. So, I don't think you're a bad person. I don't no, think No, you're
1: not a bad person, Daphne. Well, or feeling annoyance doesn't make you a bad person.
0: I also think that worrying that you might be a bad person is perhaps <laughs> a good sign. sign
1: that you that yeah, that you're you're being thoughtful, that you're considering you're considering others. You're, like, trying to be a good person.
0: But to Sarah's earlier point about living in the gray, I, I think the vast majority of us are not dichotomously good or bad. Mm-hmm. I think we all contain the capacity for terrible cruelty, and we all contain the capacity for compassion and care. And at times, we will feed different parts of those selves, and we will get different results when we do. Right. Right. All right, Sarah, this is a huge question, and I saved it for right before the sponsors Uh so that I can, so that we're not joking. Okay. It's not a funny question.
1: All right. It's
0: a question from Mason. Dear Sarah and John, have you purchased your plots in Crown Hill Cemetery? Jesus. I remember my grandparents gave them to each other one year as gifts. They took my sister and me to see them before they were in use, and I must admit it was a strange day. Happy estate planning, Mason.
1: <laughs> um, We have not.
0: We have not.
1: We have not.
0: We got a cold call email. A L- long time ago. Eight or nine years ago from Crown Hill Cemetery from like a very nice salesperson there who mm-hmm. was like, are you interested in this spot on the hill because it's available? And I was like, that seems like a lot of money to pay for a spot on a hill. Right. For a my corpse.
1: Right. I mean, I guess I could say it just hasn't been a priority for us. Um, we haven't had any major health scares or I, anything like that.
0: I feel like we'll work it out. It's the the great thing about burial is that you can work it out afterwards. <laughs> you know, like so yeah. we know, we both know the the broad outlines of what the other wants. We both have living wills, mm-hmm. we both have all that stuff. We haven't, like, purchased plots because I also, I mean, are we really ready with potentially 70 or 80 years left to live? In your case, in my case, (laughs) somewhat less. Are we really ready to commit to Indianapolis for eternity?
1: Well, we won't experience being there. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I mean, everybody maybe else <laughs> what, what, what do you What do you think
0: happens down there? <laughs> Haven't you seen our town?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I. It was my. It was my wish to not die here.
0: Oh yeah, I remember. Um, but I've had was a like, big turnabout. Yeah, Sarah was like, "I'm anyway." It's the way I feel about Florida, right? I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but one time. Hank and I were in Orlando and I had a serious health scare. I had to go to the hospital and Hank came like he like rushed to the ER Mm -hmm. and was like taking care of me and just hanging out with me and chatting and everything. And the doctor came in and was like, we got to take, we got to keep you overnight. And I was like, listen, doctor. If there is a 1% chance I am going <laughs> to die, <laughs> I need you to get me in an ambulance and drive me to Georgia. <laughs> Because I am not
1: dying dying in in
0: Orlando.
1: Well, if you know, never say never kind of thing. Um, Just know if I do die in Orlando. It wasn't your wishes. Please, please
0: play the following audio. John Green desperately regrets becoming deceased in Orlando, Florida, his hometown.
1: There you go. It's official. Yeah. You know, I know I know because like I've studied a lot of like the lives of artists and people have uh, second and third acts, artists, non-artists alike. And, you know, like Georgia O'Keeffe found herself and her artistic voice um, later in life living in New Mexico And, you know, if she had chosen at an earlier time in life, she she would have chosen differently. So, you know, I think um, I think personally, I'd rather allow for natural evolution and not sort of make that make that decision now.
0: I'll tell you what I would make the decision now if Crown Hill agreed to my stated wishes of having John. 500 tons of soil no. piled atop the no. body of James Whitcomb Riley <laughs> no. at the top of the hill, and then I would be buried directly above him. Oh, God.
1: Poor James Whitcomb Riley.
0: I'm sure he was a nice man.
1: Yeah. John doesn't really mean that. He he's thinks about, it's funny. He's about to he be. He thinks it's funny. So if. if First this... off,
0: it is funny. <laughs>
1: The author of Little Orphan Annie. It, it, you want you want to you want to overshadow anyone who comes to. I don't want to overshadow him, Sarah. I <laughs>
0: want, want to, to... <laughs> literally be buried on top of him.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. I think we've answered this question. I,
0: by the way, I recently, at your request, wrote out some stuff about what about if I died. Yeah, and.
1: And this is not for any specific reason. Oh, yeah, it's no, mostly it's... Because, because I've worked um, uh, with artists and artists' estates. Uh, it's always amazing when an artist has clearly written out what their hopes and wishes are for their work mm-hmm. um, after they're gone. Yeah. Um, it's super helpful to yeah. those who are put in charge of managing their their property and, and uh, uh, creative life.
0: So. Yeah, and that's why I said in the document that I want copies of The Fault in Our Stars to be buried in a thousand sarcophagi around <laughs> the <laughs> no,
1: earth. No, you did not.
0: <laughs> no, but one of the things I said <laughs> and that, was- that
1: I would like- <laughs> use scissors to like cut out or like before anyone else read it yeah, i would like light out. alter it and be like ah oh, no that never happened
0: no but what i did what i did say was please know that the james whitcomb riley bit is a joke yeah. and i would not like to be yes. buried on there the we hill go. bury me at the bottom in the valley with the people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people of course being Four vice presidents. Right, right. <laughs> and U.S. President Benjamin Harrison. Sarah, all of this reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Crown Hill Cemetery. Crown Hill Cemetery, legitimately the best account on Twitter, which I realize is not saying much, but wow. I mean, they're keeping me on Twitter. Just their account Really, keeping me on Twitter. It's really? incredible. They have a new dead person every single day, and they yeah. know so much about their lives.
1: That's great. Um, yeah, this podcast is brought to you by Crown Hill Cemetery um uh their slogan is like us on facebook <laughs> for,
0: for, like for like 15, 15 years,
1: years their sign um had one of those like replaceable text um like a Wendy's, like a Wendy's yeah. you know
0: where like you put up the text every two week two
1: for one yeah. burgers Sundays. or whatever yeah. um uh, frosties mm-hmm. <laughs> For going with Wendy's. Really good, specific Wendy's reference. Um, And then, uh, but theirs said, like us on Facebook. And I passed it every day on my way to work. And it was just, there's something so beautiful from the years of 2007 (laughs) to like two years ago? To the pandemic. To the pandemic. There was
0: something so beautiful
1: about this cemetery having on its sign, Crown Hill Cemetery, like like us us on on Facebook. Facebook.
0: Unfortunately,
1: it is a beautiful place to go. Oh, it's
0: incredible. (laughs) I mean, I talk about it all the time. It's it's one of my favorite places in Indianapolis. Unfortunately, somebody just got in a car accident and hit that sign.
1: Yeah, they got to get a new one. And so
0: they got to get a new one.
1: Today's podcast is additionally sponsored by Flaming Hot Cheetos. Flaming Hot Cheetos,
0: the only relic of humanity's folly. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, today's podcast is brought to you by Daphne.
1: Daphne, who is a good person.
0: We also have a Project for Awesome message to read from Nell to Clara, not Clara. I hope I did that right, Clara. As we approach 10 years of friendship, I want to say how deeply grateful I am to have you in my life. Whatever you're going through, wherever either of us ends up, I always want to hear from you. Our connection is deeply important to me, and I am so honored to have a best friend like you. Thank you for being here with me. I love you. Not a part of a message, but thank you, Hank and John. I've been a nerdfighter for 11 years now, and it's such a wonderful part of my life. Lots of love to you both as well. Nell, thank you for that lovely message to Clara.
1: Lucky Clara.
0: Lucky
2: Clara.
0: Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blueland products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. All right, Sarah, we've already answered this question, but we're still going to ask it. It's Uh from JC who writes, Dear John and Hank and Sarah. I recently moved to Indianapolis from out of state. I'm trying to explore the city. So far, I've visited the loom at the Indianapolis Museum of Art as well as the Uranus Fudge Factory off of I-69, two ends of one bizarre spectrum. Tell me, what else am I missing? Hoosiers and hayrides, JC. JC, you got to go to Crown Hill Cemetery. It's (laughs) incredible. You walk all the way up to the top of that hill and that's where you see James Whitcomb Riley. But if you look up right now, you can see the sky, but not for long, JC. not for long. Someday you'll see me.
1: You've got to go to the Museum of Medical History.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: That's a very good that's one. That's a weird one. Yeah.
0: It's small and weird.
1: And specific. Yeah. Off-putting, but in a good way, I think.
0: A lot of medical devices.
1: Yeah, yep. Um, you've got to go for a, a hike or a trail run at Fort Benjamin Harrison. Yeah, Um, I'm trying to think of the things that I didn't discover till later on. I love,
0: I love Fort Benjamin Harrison. Eagle Creek State Park is one of the largest urban parks in the world. Now I know what you're going to think when you go there, JC, this is not an urban park.
1: (laughs) It's it's true, but Indianapolis
0: is geographically a very large city and we, uh, swallowed Eagle Creek State Park and it's a great park. Yeah. I don't think it's called Eagle Creek State Park. I think it's just called Eagle Creek Park, but it's Um, great
1: what else uh there are good bagels here
0: oh the bagel fair
1: the bagel fair whose sign out front just reads
0: bagels
1: (laughs) but they're like real they're bagels made the right way oh they're they're super super delicious it's
0: hard to get bagels that good in new york they're at uh 86 they're like by the target at 86th and westfield that's honestly if you go to i don't know (laughs) Listen, <laughs> JC, I've only lived in Indianapolis for 16 years. I don't know where anything is, okay? Um.
1: What else? Uh. What about... Um, I,
0: like, I like how we're like, hey, w- what should we do in the city that you've lived in for 16 years? And our answer is uh, go for a walk, eat you- some bagels, and walk around the cemetery.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um. What else? What about... Um,
0: if you go up to, like, Fishers, you can go on a one-day... Trip, a canoe trip on the White River, which Sarah doesn't love just because of the Giardia.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this. I
0: thought it was really fun.
1: Um, there's lots of great cycling. And yeah. I mean, Indianapolis sure. is notably flat. And now's the... <laughs> um, so it's yeah. quite a pleasant place to cycle. JC, have um, you have
0: you thought about walking into a cornfield and just eating some feed corn and being like, wow, this is what cows <laughs> eat? It's not that good. <laughs> That's a fun thing you can do in Indianapolis that you can't do in a lot of places.
1: Um, you can go to the Can Can Cinema and Brasserie. Oh, yeah, we
0: have an art cinema now, the Can Can.
1: That has good food too. It does. You can go to the Idol.
0: Oh, this is the weirdest, coolest in, thing about um, Indianapolis. In Fountain
1: Square, there's this um, interesting little garden called the Idol. And it is basically a theater for watching the intersection of two um, gigantic gigantic interstates. interstates. And it is weird and beautiful and and sad. Very specific. You should you should do that. There
0: is nothing anywhere on Earth like the idol. And the person who who made it, who's mostly responsible for it, is a, a true Indianapolis original.
1: Well, and I thought of it because he also helped start the Can Can, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: fascinating. Guy. Um, you know, you're JC. The important thing is that you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, Indianapolis is a great, great city, and it gets better the longer you're here, and the more people you meet, and the more people you know who can tell you the best bagel places and so forth.
0: Right. All right, we have another question from Mariah, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I recently bought rollerblades. Now, my friends like to go rollerblading, and I've never gone with them because I don't know how. But I am practicing, and over the next couple of months, I intend to get very good so that when I visit my friends over New Year's, I can join them. Just with your, as with your surprise fiddler dilemma from many years ago, what is the best way to go about surprising my friends with my new rollerblading skills? All I want for Christmas is mad skill. Mariah.
1: Ooh. I have an idea.
0: What is it? I have an idea too. You go first,
1: because my... my idea
0: is great.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, then I'll go first because I don't know how good my idea is. Okay. Okay. It's so prob- you, you probably get the same. You get good.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. You figure out your rollerblading persona. Mm, so, like, you figure out what kind so of an outfit. You're yes. going to wear...
0: Do you go, like, 80s Jane Fonda Right. So whatever neon. it is,
1: is it more of a 70s vibe? Or do
0: you go, like, hard goth?
1: Or 90s? You could go hard on the 90s, because that's really when it was born, outcast the rollerblading.
0: punk rock 90s? Or you could go Nirvana 90s? You could right. go grunge?
1: Okay. Or you can disregard all of those ideas and find your own rollerblading persona and then and like some um, like walkout music kind of thing. Like you got to figure along with that, like what kind of music uh, goes along with your persona. The and thing- then, yes, once you figure that out, you before you see them, you make a TikTok or a video. OK, that is like showcasing your your rollerblading persona and skills. And that way you can sort of control it. Yeah. Because I'm a little bit worried since you still knew that you're going to like...
0: Maybe two months isn't enough. Maybe
1: two months isn't yeah, enough.
0: I'm worried about that too.
1: And if you can sort of control the sharing of it... Right. ...to really highlight your skills... Yeah. Um, ...it'll put less pressure on the in-person reveal.
0: Right. I like that. What I really like about it, though, is the really leaning in to your rollerblading persona, giving mm-hmm. as much time to developing who is rollerblade Mariah. Right. As opposed to just who is Mariah. Right. As you give to the rollerblading itself. That's right. So for every hour you spend learning rollerblading, you also need to spend one hour learning who rollerblade Mariah is. That's
1: right. So what's the reveal?
0: The only thing I know about rollerblade Mariah, Uh because I'm obviously not Mariah. Yeah. But I do know one thing about rollerblade Mariah, which is that rollerblade Mariah does not listen to music via AirPods or via headphones. (laughs) Rollerblade Mariah listens to music via it coming out.
1: Oh, I was going to go... Boombox,
0: right? Some form of boombox. It okay. has. To, it comes out loud. You just
1: gestured around your midsection. Well, because
0: this is where this is where I was oh, picturing I was the like boombox. I was picturing <laughs> sort of. No, I was picturing. You know what I was picturing, Sarah? I was picturing a fanny pack that oh. contains within it a mini boombox. And so it feels like the music is is emanating from your fanny pack. A speaker? (laughs) A a speaker, if you will. A mini boombox. What if you shrunk a boombox down to being a single speaker? A Bluetooth speaker? If you will. Okay, imagine a technology that turned a boombox that made it progressively smaller. And there wasn't a radio, but via some kind of magic it was connected Mm, to your phone, mm. which via some kind of magic wasn't connected to a Wall. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. Rollerblade Mariah definitely listens to does music. Does it
1: require 17D batteries?
0: <laughs> it does. It absolutely <laughs> does. Rollerblade Mariah only listens to music that everyone around Rollerblade Mariah right. also has to right. listen to. The
1: party goes, the party with... goes
0: where Mariah yeah. goes. Yeah. And that's all I know for sure.
1: Okay. I
0: think that it might but be better. But you think the,
1: refri- the friend reveal should all be. Uh, n- not recorded, just just like...
0: Here's what I love about an in-person reveal. Yeah. Imagine Rollerblade Mariah rolls up mm-hmm. and looks really nervous and uncertain, except for the fact that Rollerblade Mariah looks more like a professional rollerblader in 1997 than any person has ever mm-hmm. looked. Mm-hmm. But, like, on the actual rollerblades, it's, like, super uncomfortable and, like, seems to be almost falling over and it's, like, all shivery and shaky. And then the music oh, kicks like in fake. and it's a fake. Out. I see. And suddenly Rollerblade Mariah's going like one leg out in the, out in the air with a karate kick and Rollerblade right. Mariah's going backwards right. and doing some like dance moves right. while rollerblading. It's like a pool shark. Like... like a pool shark. <laughs> like Paul Newman in that movie.
1: <laughs> Who loses the first game. Yes. And then Turns it around. Yes. Yeah. So That's... like, so you, you, Mariah, you come out, you stumble, maybe you fall,
0: maybe you fall. You're
1: wearing all of your pads. You're definitely you've got wearing your knee pads. Your, you have so many you've pads. got the, you've got the wrist guards. Oh, you definitely have the
0: wrist you've guards. You've got
1: the helmet. You've yes. got it all, and you're and you're wobbly. You fall. Yeah. And then you've got somebody helping you who turns on the, your special music yes. that you have choreographed <laughs> yes. Um, yes. a series of moves to, <laughs> and it's like
0: Eye of the Tiger yeah. or something, yes. and you've and you just shoot off
1: yes. down the
0: rollerblading runway. Yes.
1: So you've got two options here.
0: They're both really good.
1: Control freak over here would pre-record. Uh, John would just go live.
0: Yeah. There's the difference between wanting to control everything and just having a deep, deep belief in yourself. Yes. Unwarranted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Especially. Good luck. Oh, Mariah, this is... It's this exciting.
1: Is, is, we're so excited for yeah. you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, Sarah, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to let you in on a, on an email that we received from an 11-year-old named Mina, mm-hmm. possibly Mina. I'm not very good at that stuff.
1: Probably Mina. Who
0: writes, Dear John and Hank, my name is Mina. I'm 11 years old. My mom listens to your podcast. And yesterday, while out on a walk, I heard it for the first time. And in the episode, a question was asked about where one could go that would be the furthest away from any venomous creature. And you said Iceland. Hmm. I would like to propose an alternative English-speaking country, Ireland. Where I live. Legend has it that St. Patrick got rid of all the snakes in Ireland, and we do not have scorpions or tarantulas. We do have a false widow spider, but their bite is like a bee sting. It's not a big deal. We don't have mosquitoes, but we do have midges, usually found around lakes. Their bite is a bit itchy, but nothing like a mosquito bite. I think that my country would be a great alternative to Iceland. Hmm. I hope you agree. Pumpkins and penguins mean it. Mina, Mina
1: mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: And I wanted to read this to Sarah. Yeah because i think sarah also agrees.
1: Well, and I, unlike unlike you, i have been to ireland.
0: <laughs> I have been to ireland, you know. Yes. When? I performed in dublin with my brother in 2012.
1: We haven't been together. We've
0: never been together.
1: And you haven't really explored
0: ireland. I don't need to explore ireland to know that they speak english, it's where my ancestors are from and it's in the european union.
1: That's all you need?
0: Yeah, sarah. <laughs> The bar is pretty oh, low. I, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Here are a few other facts about Ireland. Yeah. They have universal access. This is going to blow your mind to health care. Yeah, it doesn't matter good. who you are. You can walk into yeah. a doctor's office and receive health care. I,
1: I like Ireland. Yeah. I just I don't believe in the geographical cure. I don't believe,
0: uh, Well, I, I don't believe in the geographical cure either. But what I will say, Mina,
1: unless you're like fleeing oppression, is that my great grandparents like, yeah.
0: left Ireland for America. In search of a better life.
1: Yeah, I actually, I and take I think it, I yeah. would honor them. I, I take by it leaving
0: America for Ireland in search of a better life.
1: John, John, I, I have to amend my previous statement. Okay. I don't believe in the geographical cure to like specific personal problems like right
0: right like you're not like like, you're
1: unhappy i need to move to california to start fresh or whatever because wherever you go i can't there you are i
0: can't stop eating flaming hot cheetos so i'll move to colorado and i'll never you're gonna you're
1: gonna find them you're gonna still find
0: flaming hot cheetos but
1: if if you if there are very good reasons to move. And a lot of people have to move. And the, yeah. a lot of those are very legitimate geographical cures. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. The point is, Mina, we agree with you. Strongly.
1: Ireland's beautiful and great. Now, and,
0: I know you're only 11. Yes. Mina. And I don't want to put too much pressure on you. But if you could get us a passport, <laughs> we would.
1: We haven't applied.
0: We'd be open to it. Mina, that's <laughs> all I'm saying. If you can get us a passport, we've got an open mind. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think it was my great great grandparents that came over from Ireland because I'm like one generation too far to get an Irish passport that way. Yeah. But
1: couldn't you apply and get some like author's passport? I don't know. That seems like
0: that seems like a Mina problem more than a John Mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. I feel like Mina's on it now. Yeah. Mina's gonna get to work.
1: Great. Thanks, Mina.
0: Thank you. All right, Sarah. You already know the news from AFC Wimbledon because you can't escape it living in this house. But it's true. Here's a fact you may not know. Mm-hmm. AFC Wimbledon on Tuesday, they beat the the top team in League Two, Leighton Orient. Top of they've the table. Really,
1: they've really been doing so much better since we went to a match.
0: So much better since we went to a match. Yeah. In fact, they have now not lost a game In seven games. Wow. Do you know what all seven of those games had in common? Tell me. I did not tweet during any of them. When Uh, AFC Wimbledon play and I tweet during the game. They lose. They have won two games, drawn four, and lost six. When AFC Wimbledon play and I do not tweet, they are literally undefeated. This is at the point now where it's not just statistically significant. It's starting to seem like at some point correlation is causation. (laughs) Like at some point it's true. Mm -hmm. I I was ruining the team by tweeting and now I have addressed that issue and the team is cohering.
1: I'm actually really impressed that we got this far into this podcast recording without talking about Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. It's here. It's happening now.
0: I mean, if you think it's... Hard to be married to me in re-Twitter. Imagine Catherine's situation. I
1: know. I I feel for her.
0: Um, AFC Wimbledon, after beating Leighton Orient 2-0, and it was the best performance I have seen from Wimbledon in years. It was unbearable. The Leighton Orient fans were furious. They were like throwing Mm. flaming Uh, flares onto the onto the flaming
1: flares i I
0: told you onto the pitch (laughs) they were so angry it was incredible
1: and we that's gonna be my band name flaming flares flaming flares it's a good name
0: (laughs) we were absolutely unbearable to play against we made the second half so boring so long remember Mm. when we watched that game against sutton united remember how boring sutton made that second Mm -hmm, half after mm -hmm. they scored the goal yeah it was like that And Leighton Orient, top of the table, hated every second of it. I loved it. Then we went and played Salford City away over the weekend, and we tied nil-nil. And again, we were unbearable to play against. Lots of fouls, lots of breaking up the play. Just tough, committed. There's this 20-year-old kid who plays fullback for us, Jack Curry, who's played for Wimbledon since he was 11. Mm -hmm. And I love watching him play. He... Just pours his heart out. It's incredible. I just, I, I, right now, I am in love again with AFC Wimbledon. I have fallen in love anew. And AFC Wimbledon are now, Sarah, in third place. Wow. Among all the teams in the bottom half of the table.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. That was. That was good.
0: So we don't have Mars news this week because Hank's not here, but we're going to have a new segment, a Sarah-specific segment called...
1: What's happening in the Pottery Studio. What
0: is happening in the Pottery Studio.
1: So the most interesting thing um, that happened in the past week is that um, John is taking pottery with me, with me right now. Yeah. Um And I messed up what I was doing. hmm And I sort of squidged it because, like, the fun of, like throwing pottery on the wheel is that like you mess up and it's like, you go like, ah, and you can kind of like squidge it and, you know, try to rectify the clay to use later. And John was like, stop, stop, stop. That's cool. I like it.
0: It was so beautiful.
1: And, um, and I was like, all right, all right. So, so I took the little squidge and um, then I realized that after I cut it off the wheel, it looked like garlic. It
0: looked like a garlic clove. It looked like a
1: garlic clove. And so then I, I took it home and let it dry a little bit, and then I carved it into a garlic clove. Yeah, and um, now I need to. I'm waiting to get it back from the kiln, and I'm I'm very excited about my little garlic. So I have to thank
0: you, John. You're welcome. It's very cool, and there's going to be a little hollow space in there. Yeah, which I always love. I loved closed vessels where we have to imagine what the hollow space inside must be like.
1: There does have to be a hole. I did have to poke a hole.
0: Don't ruin it for me.
1: <laughs> well, I was informed that it would explode. So it. it doesn't have to be like a huge hole. So it's just a pinprick on the bottom.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well
1: We'll see. Unless it, it might have exploded in the kiln. Which... I
0: might I might have to fill that in with a little bit of clay just for my own That's fine. Just for my own joy of imagining okay. what must be going on within spaces we cannot see. Okay. All right. Thanks for potting with me.
1: Thanks for having me. It's I, been a pleasure. I, this is fun. Everybody check out Bright Trip, brighttrip.com. Brighttrip.com. Great. And uh, look up my course, How to Appreciate Art. Uh, it's a really great gift for yourself or for somebody in your life. Um, and it's not all the kind of usual stuff about like the golden ratio or, oh, right. or like composition or movements or things like that it's like actually about how to feel comfortable around art and how to make talk about art and make the most of your experience no matter what kind of art you're looking at so
0: check that out at Brighttrip.com. thank you to sarah for co-hosting the podcast thanks to tuna medish for editing it tuna as always great job sorry that i'm not better at this uh, thanks to Rosiana Haas Rojas, our uh, producer. Also to Brooke Shotwell, to Boki Chakravarti, who is our uh, editorial help, although not on this one because there was no science stuff. But still, thank you, Boki. And uh, the music that you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gonorola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to, to be awesome.
1: awesome.